iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Holoface woke up because someone called his name. After many, many years, he was free. He found the boy's room and slipped inside. Holoface moved closer and closer. You haven't finished it? I didn't know how to. Now Holoface wanted the girl's face more than anything else in the world. So he devised a plan. He would hide in the dark corner of her room and wait for her to go to sleep. And then he would... Okay, sweetheart. I had a nightmare. What was it about? He spies on me when I'm asleep. There's nobody here, it's just you and me. He's here. not give up. He would wait for the right moment to rip off the girl's face. He was there. He was attacking my daughter. There was no one there, John. So you think I'm crazy, dude? Don't worry, but he definitely won't come back. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Josh Horowitz of MTV.com, and tonight's guests, Juan Carlos and Clive Owen. Hello. Welcome, gentlemen. Clive, you've done Hi. it again. No, we made a bet backstage that he would give me $10 if I said that, my first, my first line. But he did. You did a great job, Juan Carlos. A great uh, job as well, sir. Uh, you guys have seen the trailer. I've got, been lucky enough to see the film. Um, can two well-adjusted, happy childhoods create a film like that? Or is there dark trauma in your past that you're there was, I, Let me tell you, there was something that... I mean, this movie is showing to the, to the audience that... There was, there was some secret in my life when I was a kid that I think it was affecting my childhood. And I think this movie is a, some sort of uh, research about that time in my life. So it, it wasn't a crime, to be honest, but it, it was some secret that my parents didn't tell me. And I think years later, I realized that that secret became a nightmare in my life. And th that's why I, I did this movie. And the development process of this. Were you involved in the screenwriting? I know you're not credited as a writer on this, but were you involved in the creation of the script then? Yeah, because I thought that the best way to humanize the concept, because, you know, having in mind that the movie is a, is a sort of psychological thriller with a human resolution at the end of the story, I thought that the best way to do that it was working with the writers, but not literally writing the story, you know? Right. I needed to, to have some kind of big picture vision more than, you know, painting the, the, the whole thing. So that's why I, I decided to be a uh, step back from the, from, the, from the writing process. And obviously not, uh, you know, not using what literally transpired in your, your childhood, but do you feel like, you know, is it the cliche of exercising your own demons a little bit in the process of making this? Is it something worked out in your, in your own psyche, you think? I, I think so, yeah, definitely. You know, I think making movies is, a, is a some kind of therapy for me. And especially in, in this kind of project, which is a very personal uh, thing coming from my, from my side, from my production team, 
and and you know it, it is an honor to 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 make uh, some kind of personal story and with a an amazing actor like Clive, so then you have everything for, for making a, 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 an interesting story, at least for you, you know, in terms of things, that, in terms of subjects that you really, really feel love about that. Clive, I know, um, I think the last time I spoke to you a couple months back, when you, you mentioned you were doing this film, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Juan Carlos uh, Intacto. If you haven't seen it, you should check out 20, 28 Weeks Later is a phenomenal film, a really gripping film. It seemed like that was a huge factor, obviously, in and you wanted to sign on to this. Had you known Juan Carlos's work before reading the script? Did you go back and look once the offer came in? Yeah, no, I was a, I was a huge fan of his, yeah. Um, I think both those films are really fantastic movies, and I read the script, I really you know, loved the script. I thought it was a very interesting psychological thriller when I spoke to Juan Carlos about... I love the, the general central thing that we as parents pass on our fears to our children. And I think that's a very real thing. I don't think that is a supernatural or I think that really, you know, that really does happen. And um, it was a very easy thing to say yes to. You, you have two teenage daughters yourself. You're passing on your own issues I, I, to I them. I can't help. I think every parent does. I think that, you know, if there's something deep within us that we are fearful of or frightened or anxious about, we, our kids are terribly sensitive to where we're at and they'll pick up on it. Do you, do you remember in particular, you know, going back to childhood, things that lingered with you, nightmares that recurred, um, things that really got under your skin way back when? I never, I, I don't really remember, you know, I didn't have a recurring nightmare, but I do remember the intensity of the experience of when you're young. It's a really overwhelming, overbearing thing to have a really bad nightmare. And I've seen it with my girls. To bring, it takes time to bring them out of that. They're so consuming at that age. They don't have that process of waking up and realizing very quickly that was a dream, this is now real, they're sort of, children can get very rattled by their dreams. It must be interesting, I mean, I'm not a parent myself, but to relive that again then with your own children and to remember what it was like for you, uh, you know, as you, as your girls kind of experience the same kind of things you went through, is that, that's an odd experience for any parent, I would think, and, and interesting and exciting and all sorts of different emotions wrapped up in one, I would think. Oh, for sure. I mean, um, you know, I, I don't think it's an accident in the last few years I've played, I've done like three films though, where being a parent is a really central theme with trust, with Boys Are Back and with this film. And it's, you know, it's because of my parent and it's something that I know about and, you know, it's something I want to explore. Uh, Juan Carlos, what do you, um, I mean, without making this man's head explode uh, sitting up here on the stage, what do you look for in, in, a, in a part like this and why is Clive the guy to play this man for you? I think I, I, you know when I when I when I thought about the casting of the movie, obviously you know one of the first reaction that you had as a, as a filmmaker is thinking about the actors that you really really love, and you know Clive is one of my favorite actors by far because I think he the way that he works is something that it matches so well with my style as well. I think one of the things that we did, which was very important in terms of making the flesh and bone for the character, was discussing every, every single action and every single line in, in, the, in, the, in the story with, with, through, his, through his character. And, you know, discussions are very important for me previously of the shooting. And that's something that he usually does and I really, really appreciate from an actor. Do, do you find that, uh, you know, in your career, do you gravitate towards a certain kind of a director, a certain style, or are you happy to kind of mix it up where, you know, Juan Carlos's style may differ from Mike Nichols, etc.? I mean, do you like to kind of mix it up in terms of being exposed to all different kind of styles, or do you, would you prefer to work in kind of one way of working? No, I mean, um, it's funny because I, I, 
When I started, I, I started in theatre and script was always hugely important. Obviously it is, and dialogue was very important to me, the language that you use within a thing. But I think as I've got older, I've realised more and more that ultimately film really is a director's medium. There's no point in having a great script if it's directed badly. It'll be a bad film. And, you know, it's all about trying to find filmmakers that you really, you know, you really want to work with and you really respect and like what they do. And the kind of process that Juan Carlos was talking about, I'm always very keen to, when I take on any film, to get as much as I can from the director about what it is they're trying to achieve so that I can do my job well. I just want to, you know, I, I think actors are there to serve a director and serve the film. And the more information I can get about what it is they're trying to achieve, I think the better equipped I'll be to do my job. Have you, have you ever taken a, a gig with a director just because you, you knew maybe the material wasn't your cup of uh, tea, but you just wanted to work with that director? And is that necessarily a good idea? Um, no, I mean, I'll give you an example of a film like Children of Men was about wanting to work with Alfonso Cuaron and hearing his vision. It wasn't, it wasn't primarily that I read the script and went, I have to do that script. It was, I have to work with this guy and, and go on this journey with him. That, that worked out pretty well. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> um, I'm curious, you know, does your visual style to this, what, is it dictated by, you know, what, what is it dictated by? In the script, what, what influences how you wanted to approach the visual treatment of the film. I think the, the, the most important thing for me doing this movie was to mix, to combine two different flavors in the story, which is the realism and the fantasy. Because, you know, the, the movie is back and forth from both places. And there's a thin line in the story between the, the, the realistic approach and the fantasy. It means like, like that the supernatural level is entering in, the, in this real world in a very strong way. So I, I have to deal with those colors at the same time, you know? You have to, you have to be something which is completely, it, it looks like an, a, an unreal thing, but it has to be real at the same time. So in, in terms of the visuals, one of the conclusions that we reached with the director of photography was to use the camera as the real device. I mean, using the camera with some kind of documentary style trying to, to recreate in some levels the, the point of view of the character, but the use of the light, it has to be closer to the fantasy, you know? And that combination between the camera and the light, I think it helped me to create this uh, real thing, which is introducing the fantasy as a real character in the story, you know? Now, from your perspective, Claude, hearing him speak about the way he wants to approach the fantasy and the realism, does that affect your job and how you approach your work, or would you, if he said, you know, I wanted to shoot it in a more heightened, fantastical way, would you approach the material differently? No, no, I don't think it does change what I do, really. I think that the same things would apply, you know. It's, um, that's really up to Juan Carlos and how he's framing it. I mean, in terms of, you know, every time he tells me what a shot is, that's going to, to a certain extent, influence what it is you're doing. But I, I, I don't think that that does really affect the actor's process. Um, Juan Carlos, talk to us a little bit about the the boogeyman, as it were, that you created in the film, a very indelible uh, uh, image that you've created. Where did that, where did that come from? It comes from uh, another research that, that we made in the, in the monsters that they, they come from the childhood, you know, and, and especially all of them which we could easily recognize in the tales. Um, I needed some, we needed some kind of a monster, iconic monster for the movie, but at the same time, we, we, have, to, we have to have some a new approach into this world. That's why we ended up with the idea about a faceless monster, you know, because in a way, 
we are telling to the audience that the monster is looking for, for his identity as well, which is a very human thing, you know. And I really, really, I, I, have, I really love the idea about the monster who has um, having some kind of behavior so close to the human being, you know. I think it's a, in, in some ways we are uh, shadowing, you know, the final human resolution of the story doing that. What are the, I mean, is, is it a bad idea for you as a filmmaker to look to other films before you dive into this one? Were there influences, other? I think, you know, intentional without, without any intention, I think all the movies that you watch and, and you love, there are a huge influence in your, in your style, you know? So you don't need to go back to movies when you're actually making a movie, you know? I think the best inspiration for me in this case, in this particular case, is my, is my, own, my own experience, you know? And, and my, especially the, the memories I have when, when I was a kid, you know? That was the big inspiration for me in this movie. But obviously, you know, when you're dealing with that, all the movies that, you, that I loved, you know, and I watched in my whole life, then they are coming in some levels, you know? Right. What were, respectively, what were the films that kind of rocked your world in kind of a frightful way as children? What were the first ones that really threw you back for a loop? Do you remember? I would say, I don't know, in terms of the, you mean it's in terms of a childhood? kind of thriller that really is like, I shouldn't be seeing this, but that was awesome, but horrifying all at the same time. Yeah, I, I would say that the, the Exorcist is one of the big references, you know, for for me, in, in, but it, 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 because, it, because it, it is more than a horror movie, you know, it's, I think it's a, a very elevated genre story, and I think it's a classical more than anything, you know, and that's why I think I, I, really, I really love that kind of movies, when they trespass the limits of the genre and they show you something new and fresh, you know. For you, Claude, does anything jump out to you from early movie-going experiences that made a mark I, I was also a huge fan of The Exorcist and saw it a number of times. I went to some of those crazy midnight screenings in London and um, unfortunately, I don't know quite how, and it could be through me, my 12-year-old girl has heard about it and keeps saying, I really want to watch The Exorcist. And I'm like, sweetheart, you won't be watching that for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, once you see it, there's no going back. That's in the brain forever, right? Um, there's also basically kind of two storylines that you're juggling here that intersect in interesting ways without re revealing anything. Um, do you approach those almost as two different films? Is there a different treatment for each, or are they all part of a whole in your mind? How do you treat them differently, if at all? I, I, treat, it, I treat it as a, as a whole thing, you know, because I, I, I find the idea... I mean, I was trying to convey the idea that no, no matter how far you're traveling, no, no matter how, how much you change or are in, inclusive, no matter how you speak another language, the, the, your nightmares, your ghosts are traveling with you. And, and that's why, you know, the, the movie has this kind of global perspective with these two stories, because, uh, you know, I was looking for conveying that idea in, 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 in a strong way. Clive, when you see this for the first time, are you the type that can keep an open mind? Are you looking at yourself? What are you looking for the first time you see a film you've been in? It's always very nerve-wracking when you see a film for the first time. I mean, I, I think I'd be a liar if I didn't say that your kind of attention is drawn to yourself the first time you see it, because you're, you're kind of judging yourself, you're checking yourself out. I'm not very... I only ever watch films I do about two or three times, and then I have to walk away from them. You know, I, 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 I find it quite uncomfortable. You always think you could have done something different or better. What struck you about this on maybe the second viewing then after you got yourself out of your own system? What, I mean, what struck, did it surprise you? Did it feel like the film that you had shot? Does it often feel like the film you shot or does it feel like something wholly different? 
general. No, I mean, um, no, it, it was. I mean, it was, it was great to see how we worked because we kept the stuff with the, the intruder in the room as a very real thing and it was played very real and I knew there would be work afterwards but from, certainly from my character's perspective, it had to be real. You know, he's looking at it in a very, in a very real way. It's not paranormal, but um, no, I, I, I love the film. I was hugely impressed with it. Um, it's interesting in a, in, a, in a way that you know, a film like this rewards the first viewing. It also rewards the second viewing. In that, you know, again, we're not going to give anything away, but the you know, you learn some very critical truths at the end that illuminate what's transpired previously. Um, again, is that, that's got to be really tricky for you in terms of how much information to dole out and to again make it satisfying for an audience that first time, which is really the most important time probably for a yeah, filmmaker. Right? Absol absolutely. That, you know, the, the, the thriller always is a, is a challenge for you in terms of the amount of information that you have to deliver. Especially in this movie, it was so critical, the idea that we have two big revelations at the end of the movie. And, and I, I always, when I was developing the story, I was so concerned about the amount of time that we invested until that, time, until that ending, you know? And, and I was concerned about the audience, you know, to, to, uh, how they are going to react with that ending. So. But th that's why at the end we, we try to make the, the whole journey as intense as we can, you know, in order to maintain the attention and the, and, the, and, the, um, and the interest of the audience, you know. Clive, did you see the ending coming in the script? Or were you kind of thrown back and said, oh, that's, I did not see no, how I, I didn't, was going to wrap up. I didn't, see, I didn't see the way that the, you know, the, the two stories meet. I didn't see that coming at all, no. Do you, do you have interest in directing yourself or directing others rather? Um, in the future? I do think about it, yeah. Um, I've never really come across a piece of material that I'm passionate enough to stop the whole acting thing and, and sort of get on that track, really, but um, it, it is something I think about. The acting's going pretty well. You can, you can wait for a while and, you know. <laughs> um, some questions from the audience. What do you guys have? I'll bring the mic over yeah. after you raise your hand. What was your favorite movie that you acted and what was the, your favorite movie that you directed? Um, this is an honest answer. It sounds like I'm, I'm skirting the answer, but it's absolutely true. My favorite is always the one I'm going to do next, because that's the one that is always consuming me and sort of propelling me forward. So it's, it's always the one I'm, I'm about to do. You know, it's so difficult to choose one movie, um, because, you know, I feel so... It's like babies for you, you know, and, and you, you can't choose one of, one of, one of, one of them. Um, so definitely, you know, it, it's impossible to tell you if it, which is my favorite one because I love everyone, you know. Clive, when you see someone approaching you on the street, you know they're going to say something. Can you tell from how they approach you who, who they are, if they're Sin City, Closer, etc.? Uh, I, I, cer I certainly know the shoot em up crowd. <laughs> It holds up. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, more questions, please. Last row, center. Hi. Um, I was lucky enough to get to see you perform both roles in Closer in the theater. Well, and then you get, were lucky because uh, I only played one. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you started out with one role and then you evolved into another, did you not? No, I, I started, I played. In the original stage production of, right. of Closer, I played Dan, and then in the movie version, I played Larry. I didn't play okay. Larry on stage. Fair yeah. enough. Um, so I got to see you play both parts, which was really interesting. I'm curious, from an actor's standpoint, 
how much did you bring from your role on stage into film versus how much would something that you would be doing on film, how much of that would you bring into theater? Since one is a lot more intimate and one is generally um, bigger. I mean, it was a really fantastic experience, the, the, the thing of doing Close. So when I, I did the original, so I, I was in the original stage production and so that was where the play first disco was discovered in London and we sort of, you know, we nurtured and brought the play into life. And then, seven years later, to get a call from Mike Nichols saying, do you now want to play the other part? The, the amazing thing about that for an actor is that it was, everything was hugely familiar because I'd done the play night after night. I knew the rhythms of the language, I knew the strength of the writing, I knew where and how it worked best. But you realize when you switch a part in something like that, that you see every script through your character's perspective. You were t I, I find it very difficult to read a script unless I know which part it is I'm reading for. I can't just, because it puts an, you, your perspective is through your character's eyes of the whole world of the film, the whole world of the script. And so playing Larry in the movie was suddenly both very familiar, but it was in a completely new take again. So it was totally exciting and a whole new perspective on the piece. Um, in terms of, I haven't done a play for a very long time, for you know, probably 10 years, but I, I always felt strongly that they fed each other very well. Whenever I did a play, I always finished and said, I never want to do a play again, I only want to do movies. But there is something about the energy required for a play, the sort of physical discipline and energy, the commitment to the language and the putting it out there in a room. It's like going to the gym, it like gets you fit as an actor. But then I absolutely enjoy the minimalis, minimalism of film acting and that it's so specific and detailed. And I think it's, often people say, you're not really a true actor unless you proved it on the stage. And I don't agree with this because I've seen some film actors that are absolutely incredible and it's the finest kind of acting. And it's really, it's as skillful and as deft as any great theatre performance. It's just for, for a different medium. And I think really, you know, um, they kind of fuel each other. They, 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 the same, it's the same discipline and impetus, the sort of exploring of emotions and the, the, the you know, trying to, to use language well that applies to both. So do you have that itch a little bit to go back to theater? I, I do actually, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm pretty scared now because it's been a long time, but um, I, if I found a play that I was really passionate about, and I have been, I have been looking, I, I'd love to do a new play. But um, I, I, I would go back and do it just um, because that was my, that's where I started. I didn't, I didn't really want to do films. I only wanted to do theater. I was curious about um, suspense. When you, when you are acting in suspense film, you know, you know what's coming. So how, how do you time it so that you know not to react? There's, you know, there's that, especially when you re-see something and you know what's coming now, and there's that little pause and you can see sometimes it's not well acted when they react too fast, you know, and so you know it's coming in there, they almost react before you perceive it. So how do you time that, knowing that it's coming? You'd like, take a breath, you think, wait, wait, wait. Um, it's probably a bit better for Juan Carlos to answer that, but I think, you know, Ella, the girl in the film, gives a really, really amazing performance, and it's, it's, emotionally very demanding because she has to keep you in a very tense place and it's a very sort of you know anxious very tense vibe that she has to put the audience in and put the, the the situation in and i think it's probably to do with 
directing really more, more than it is acting. Yeah, probably because you know when you're facing a, a, a sequence that you already know very well and, and it's true, you know perfectly the time about the, 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 the reaction, I think you have, to, you, have to, you have to lead the actor into that kind of timing, you know? That's the way that, that I mean, that's the right way to do it because it's, you, you know, in, in some levels you are, you are creating the moment for them, you know? So you have to help them in order to be right in the moment, you know? So what is, what is the environment then you try to create on set for a particularly tense scene where everybody needs to be on edge? I mean, does it necessarily have to be a, a, a quieter than usual set? Is there... A, no, but you know, the silence helps a lot, you know, when, when you're, especially when you're dealing with a very intense and, and, and horrific moment, I think the silence, uh, it helps to concentrate yourself and, and the rest of the people, the rest of the crew and the actors as well. I think that in terms of concentration, it's the only way to, to go to the place that you want to go, you know? Some more questions? We have time Please. for two more questions. Okay. Is there a character that you've played that you felt that you related to strongly as a person? Um, I relate to every part I play, really. I, I mean, I, I, you often ask as an actor, you know, oh, what's the similarity between you and your part? And it's not really about looking for similarities. It's about just ex exploring different things. And I can relate to every part I play, otherwise I, w I wouldn't play it. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm quite fearless about playing, for instance, characters I don't like very much. I don't think you have to like a person. I think as long as you, my job is to make you understand why they're doing what they're doing, and it's not necessarily always going to be a good, righteous, good thing, you know. But my job is to make you understand how that person did that and why they did that. And um, so I kind of r relate to all parts. I have to, otherwise I couldn't. I couldn't play it. Sec uh, second row center. Thank you for making your time available. It's great to be so close and up front with you guys. Um, I'm at the bottom end of the food chain from you as an indie producer. And I'm just curious to know what your, how your respective fields are influenced by the digital medium and how you see the future changing uh, theatre and movies. I get the feeling that we are living in a time that the film, I mean, the theatrical release is becoming uh, an experience more than uh, more than more than any time you know and that means that sometimes you know when you go to the theater it seems like the the only intention to go there is to be absolutely away from the real from the reality you know you have to you have to enjoy an intense and, and a very vivid and fantasy experience you know and that, in that in that level i would say that the technique is helping a lot in terms of creating that kind of experience as a new thing, you know, putting you in, in, in another world, you know, in terms of, of everything. So let's see what happened with the 3D thing, you know, because I, I'm thinking it's working, but I, I, I got the feeling that there is still, there, there is a new door behind of that technique, you know. I am not sure if, if it's going to be the 3D or maybe, or maybe something else that they are going to add to that modern uh, technology. But I think at the same time that I'm, that I'm, that I'm saying this, I would say that, that, that it would be good if we maintain on, on, in another perspective, if we, man, if we maintain movies that works in another level, you know, I think it, it's time to, as well, to work in another direction in order to, to tell other type of stories, which I think we demand as well as an audience. Do those new technologies make your job 
easier, more interesting, or, or what? I mean, like, have you done a performance capture thing yet? Is no, that something? No, I haven't done that. I mean, there's a, there's more and more green screen, even in you know films where you wouldn't expect it. I mean, I've done a lot of, of green screen stuff, but um, th so that that's used more and more because the technology is getting so so advanced now that you know you can do it, and it's it's kind of people will do what's most convenient and cheap. I mean, I think it's really sad that less and less films are being made on film and that it's all moving over to digital, but, you know, it's the convenience, the cost, the speed, the, you know, and the technology is getting better, but it's still sad that we're slowly waving goodbye to film, I think. Uh, I think we're just about out of time, but I think we're going to see you in, you played Hemingway recently with another great filmmaker, Philip Kaufman. We're going to see that pretty soon. It's in May, yep. Very cool. And you're going to take a rest, hopefully, because you can't dive right back into this, can you? Or do you know, do you know what's next for you? No, to be honest. You know, I'm, I'm developing some ideas, but right now it's difficult to say. Very cool. Uh, well, let's give it up for Clive Owen and Juan Carlos Fresnadillo. <laughs> Intruders opens March 30th.